me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I uh, want to go to verse number 9 through 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9 through 11, and on last week we began to talk about the vessel and how we are to glorify God where? In our bodies, in our bodies, and we dealt with that emphatically, and I thought that uh, after dealing with that, that it would be good to curve back around and take a totally different angle uh, on that whole concept of glorifying God in our body. And I will tell you what direction we're going to go in here momentarily. Now, I don't know if you all have the Amplified Bible in the back. If you do have it, if you'll switch to the Amplified Bible. Uh, but I want you to read just three verses of 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. And the Bible says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. I want to hone in on those four words for a second. Do not be deceived. Everybody say this with me. I will, I will not, not be, deceived. be deceived. Do not be deceived. That is the strongest spirit unleashed in the church realm today. It is that of deception. I thought it was this, but come to find out it wasn't. I thought this was right, but come to find out it wasn't. I thought they had integrity, but come to find out they were shysty all this time. Well, the Bible tells you do not be deceived. And how do you make sure you're not deceived? You have the Holy Ghost. Amen. You walk in the spirit. Praise the Lord. And when you're walking in the spirit, it becomes impossible to be deceive how many know when you walk in the spirit you, you there'll be a burning in your inner man glory to god when something just ain't quite right so the bible says do not be deceived misled neither neither all right so that means none of these people will have their share in the kingdom of god so neither the impure and immoral idolaters what's an idolater somebody that is into idols somebody that is practices uh, false religions or makes idols out of money, you name it. Adulterers, you heard me talk the other week about sins unto death. Here they are. Adultery, amen, is a sin unto death. So adulterers will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But this is where we're going to camp out. Nor those who participate in homosexuality. That's where we're going to camp out today. Amen. So, Pastor, what's your subject? Today we're going to talk about the homosexuals. Uh, and today's message, for those of you watching me viral, I will be putting this on television as well. Today we're going to talk about the truth about homosexuality. Amen. That's what we're going to preach on all day. Amen, Dave. Is that all right? We're not going to talk about money today. Amen. We're not talking about money. And probably won't talk about health and healing. Today we're going to talk about the truth about homosexuality. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, today we're going to talk about the truth about homosexuality. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. The most controversial subject of the day is that. Homosexuality. Ironically, today is Sanctity of Life Day. Now get with me now. And Sanctity of Life was assigned by President Ronald Reagan back in the 80s. I believe it was 83. 
he assigned Sanctity of Life Day as it pertains to abortion and just talked about the importance of, 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 of the sanctity of life and not killing babies. And I believe that that is accurate. And I believe that in my humble opinion, that is the number one moral issue of the day. And the reason why I give abortion the number one moral issue of the day is because it is the one issue where people get hurt who have no choice. It is the one issue where people lose their life who had no decision in the matter. But running a close second to abortion is the issue of homosexuality. And the reason why homosexuality is the number one moral issue of the day is because as it pertains to immoral themes of this hour, there are no other issues where people find it necessary to march, change laws, or practice anarchy to try to change the opinions of others who disagree. Disagree. I mean, you just, you've never seen a march for adulterers. Adulterers do not have Adulterer Pride Day. They just don't do it. When, when it comes down to adultery, adulterers are as shh and as hush as you can get. They are conscientious that nobody find them in their adultery. And for God's sake, they're not going to march and hold a sign while committing adultery. Are y'all in here? You never heard thieves marching. People who are stealing and embezzling. Do not come outside of that Fortune 500 company and say, by the way, took 50000 today. They do all they can to stay underneath the, the radar of the federalis. Yeah, they don't want nobody to find out that they have been stealing. But it, it, is, it is homosexuality, and, and, and I'm going to say some things in the beginning that really going to set me up so that no one can scrutinize me for just disagreeing. And, and that's what's really important. I, you know, I will not be, uh, you know, badgering or doing anything today that is unseemly and that I should not do. But, but I'm going to say some things here that will just really present my argument today in good fashion so that we cannot be viewed in this lesson as just being homophobic. <laughs> you, just, you all just hate people. You know, Pastor Rondi is right. Truth is the new hate speech. Amen. You, you just don't like people. How could you say certain things? So I'm going to be ever so cautious today to simply deliberate my argument in a fashion by which everybody who hears this now and in the future will simply have to make a decision as to whether or not God's word is final authority or their opinion is final authority. Are you in here, church? That's all I'm here to do today. Either the Bible is going to be final authority or your opinion. Matthew Vines was a young man came up in a Protestant home and he uh, went away to Harvard and ultimately learned, as he said, that he was a gay man and he came out as being a gay man and uh, he began to press his argument as to how scripture in its current form 
must be appropriately adapted. And I paraphrase, I'm not quoting him, but appropriately even adapted to this day, to this hour. In other words, that the word of God is not final authority. And that whole concept that he is now teaching, if you look at YouTube, has over a million hits. So tragically enough, somebody is listening to the idea that the word of God is not final authority. And whenever you deal with a subject such as this, one of immorality, it must be founded in Scripture. God doesn't care whether or not you like blue or brown. That doesn't matter. He doesn't care if you enjoy football or basketball. Those things don't matter. But when it comes down to moral issues, the word of God has got to be where the church lands on it. We cannot change our position because some people are struggling with it. I used to believe a certain way, but when I found out all my musicians were having this battle, Pastor, I then changed my mind because we need to love people. Well, Scripture tells us that we are to tell the truth in love. That is, we are to tell the truth with compassion. And I'll quote my big brother, Dr. Michael Brown, uh, who said it so well. We must then have backbones of steel and hearts of compassion. So I got to have a backbone and simply say that this is wrong. It's not right. It's not correct. Not because of my trajectory or my opinion, but because 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 clearly says that those who practice this lifestyle will not have any place in the kingdom of God. But then from an evangelistic standpoint, I must have a heart of compassion and deliver this in a way in which you can take this CD. I hope this is our most well sold CD after today. You can take this CD, go to work tomorrow and tell your coworker when you have time, listen to this. Just listen to it. Just notice how he simply walked you through truth and not opinion. Thus, my uh, assignment today is to do two things quite well. I want to do two things quite well. I want to go after uh, somebody who's battling with homosexuality and let you know that Jesus still saves and that you can change. You don't change through counseling. No, you don't change through. No, you change. Amen. Through legitimate deliverance through accepting Jesus as Lord, then you can get in counseling and get your grave clothes off. You have to raise Lazarus from the dead first, and then you take his grave clothes off. So you get the man out of homosexuality, amen, then you work on him with the earrings. Then you work on him uh, with wearing a, as they coined today, a man bag, amen. Well, you can't convert him. Uh, on that man bag until you deal with the heart first and we've got to get back to changing people from the inside out instead of trying to change them from the outside in are you in here church amen so that's my primary method or, or, or agenda today is to try to win somebody I preach to thousands of people now on Sunday with all of our mediums and I want to win somebody out of the lifestyle and I say to you that if you're out there trying to make a decision in this space, we stand ready to help, ready to support, ready to pray with you, ready to battle with you. Amen. That's, that's what I want to do. But then my second reason for today's message is to tool you, the believer, 
Ephesians 4 says that I give you apostles, pastors, evangelists, teachers, prophets for the perfecting of the saints. I want to tool you with what you need to appropriately win somebody who is in the homosexual lifestyle and have solid conversations with other Christians who are now on the fence because the majority is now accepting of it. You need the Bible says to be able to have a answer. Amen. So you need to be able to talk in educated fashion to other people who, when the subject comes up, will say stuff like, does the Bible really mean that? Did the Bible really say that? I'm not going to take you to 800 scriptures a day on homosexuality. All you need is one. And when 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 talked about the immoral, the, the, the drunkard, all those people included the homosexual, not inheriting the kingdom of God, that one passage enough. Everybody say that's enough. I don't have to take you to Leviticus to where it refers to it as an abomination. I may take you to Romans 1 today where it talks about being of a reprobate mind. But the reality is, is this one scripture is enough to press the case and claim that homosexuality is not a right lifestyle. Amen. So today we're going to deal with what's right. Back to my love walk. Let's start here. Second Peter three and nine. And this is so good. So good. So good. Let's get a clear understanding that God does not hate anybody. God doesn't hate anybody and neither do we. All right. Second Peter three and nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness. But what is he long suffering? You know what that means? Giving us opportunities. Amen. He gives people opportunity for change. He loves people. Some folk, if they were to die today, not just homosexuals, anybody who's in their sin, they would go to hell. But God loves people so much. So he extends time. He gives them one more opportunity to get born again. One more opportunity to get in a church. One more opportunity to cry out to Jesus and say, I yield, I yield. What must I do to be saved? He is long suffering toward us. Not what church willing that how many should perish? Any should perish, but how many does he want to come to repentance? All. So how many people does God want to perish? None. How many people does he want to come to repentance? All. How many homosexuals does God want to perish? None. How many does he want to come to repentance? All. That means that we do not beat up homosexuals, cuss homosexuals out. We don't do anything mean to homosexuals. God loves homosexuals, and so do we. God loves alcoholics, and so do we. Amen. He loves everybody in the bucket of sin, and homosexuality is a sin, and God loves them, and he wants them to come to repentance. Does it sound anything like hate speech? No. Okay, I just want to make sure. All right, mo moving right along. So if God doesn't want anyone to be lost, hurt, or harmed, it becomes critical, stay with me now, that we don't become politically correct in this hour and begin to dismiss the truth about homosexuality under the banner of relativism right. relativism and i want to talk about relativism for a little bit because the book of judges says in more than one place and i'm not going to all these scriptures today because we're going to focus on the homosexual today but it says in the book of judges that everybody did what was right in their own eyes 
And if you ever get in a posture to where you begin to take God's truth as relative to where you are, you are going to miss out on the truth that would set you free. Amen. Is tithing relative? No, it's just a truth. Y'all going to say amen? Amen. Is loving your one wife relative or is it just a truth? So you mean to tell me even if my husband ain't talking to me right, it doesn't give me authorization to go and talk to another man? That's exactly what I'm saying. Because loving your husband is not relative to how he's treating you. That does not mean you let him go upside your head. It does not mean you let him sleep with other women. As a matter of fact, Jesus gave provision. In those cases, especially sleeping with other women, that that other person is free. That wife is free from her husband, can go on with her life. How many of you know we're not about abuse in here? Amen. But relativism cannot be adapted, y'all, just because the masses now agree. And that's the hour we're in. The masses now agree. So you and I have a decision as to whether or not we're going to continue to agree with God or we are going to, as the masses are, start adapting a relative outlook on the subject. Somebody say, I'm not going to be relative. Yeah. The danger of being relative is is just because everybody agrees that gravity is no longer a law. It does not undermine the fact that if we all jump off of the Empire State Building, that we will die. Right. That's good. If you make that decision as to whether or not you're going to jump off the Empire State Building based on relativism. And there are some people out there that believe they can fly. Amen. You will be hurt very, very badly because you adapted a relative way of thinking. Let me raise it up before you. Noah had to go against relativism in his day. Do you realize he was the only man preaching what he was preaching? Did y'all hear what I just said? And we're talking about millions of people. We're talking about auditoriums like we have today of churches filling up 20 and 40,000 people auditoriums preaching the exact opposite of what you hear on any given Sunday. But Noah, just like Brother Gabe Rogers, had to stand up, not call his message the truth about doing the right thing, the truth about loving God. No, today we're going to talk about the truth about homosexuality. We don't have time for a flowery topic today. Amen. We don't have time for relativism and vagueness. Amen. You have to be square. You have to be accurate. And preachers, you hear this too. You be accurate when you share the word. If you got a fancy subject, praise the Lord. But you don't need all of that in this hour. People are so confused and so off kilter. I promise you, it's folks sitting in this congregation right now who are having the struggle that I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about you just being a homosexual. You being relative as to whether or not it is right or wrong. And the way you have arrived to your conclusion is your favorite cousin growing up recently came out the closet and you just find it difficult to believe that a loving God, a loving God would require cousin Jamal to make a different decision. 
I'm going to keep loving my cousin. I'm not going to change my mind on a cousin. Well, back to the ideal of this is not hate speech. We want you to love your cousin. We want you to evangelize your cousin. We want you to take this CD and share it with your cousin. We just don't want you to leave your son with your cousin while you go to the grocery store in the name of relativism because you're cousin who is under the guise of a wicked spirit, which is what homosexuality is, will turn your son out just like somebody turned him out. When you have time, you read Judges, and I preached on this a few months ago. It's called the Micah effect. Amen. That influential effect. I don't have time to go through all this today, but there's a Micah effect. Influence is powerful. Influence is amazing. Influence has an impact. You, you lead this young boy around certain men long enough. In fact, two of my leaders, amen, who, who are around him every Sunday. It's, it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, a few months back, and you heard me tell this story. He's only four. He probably was three at that time. Probably was a year ago. And, and he came to me and he said, Daddy, he said, Daddy, I'm going to the barbershop and I'm going to cut my hair off like Mr. Teku and Mr. Antoine. <laughs> amen. The power of influence and what those guys do with my sons in the back when I'm in the back room is they jack them up amen they have fun they play boy games they do push-ups praise the Lord and I have never felt compelled to stop them that's the kind of influence that you want on your sons are you in here amen so just because somebody that you care deeply for has since come quote-unquote out of the closet and said that he still loves Jesus, he just has a struggle that does not mean, Brian, that we now adapt that struggle as accurate. And since we're talking about the vessel today, the Bible says we mortify the deeds of the flesh. So you ready for this? Do you cast the homosexual demon out, pastor? How does a person legitimately get delivered from homosexuality? I'll talk about this later on, but let me give you a couple of points for free. Well, first things first, they must accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's what really, really, really counts. At the end of the day, Jesus has to fill their temple. If there is a demonic stronghold by which homosexual is amen yep sometimes you do need deliverance you need to Paul says renounce the hidden things of darkness but pound for pound when a person is going to be delivered of anything be it homosexuality or sexual lasciviousness womanizing drink it you name it watch this it's more up to them than anybody else they have to do what Paul told the church at Corinth cast down imaginations they have to take authority over their thought pattern they have to take authority over who they used to be just like all of us have to do in fact if you keep reading over in first corinthians 6 9 through 12 paul says such were some of you amen all of us in here have a past but we have to constantly bind up come on church who we used to be amen and when you bind that up the devil can't do what he wants to do do i have a witness in here just because the enemy wants me to be a womanizer doesn't mean i have to just because he wants me to be an alcoholic doesn't mean i have to and at the end of the day just because he wants you to be a homosexual does not mean you have to because you have authority somebody shout hallelujah Today we're talking about the homosexual. That's what we're going to talk about today. Amen. The whole time we're going to talk about the homosexual. 
Amen. So as we keep walking through this thing, you cannot be locked into relativism. And then you all can't love your life so much that you don't want to breach the topic with people. That when it comes up, you become a CIA Christian and you become a silent secret service agent. Everybody's talking about the diabolical nature of it and how it's okay and how they were just so excited about thus and so and they're just so glad to see the progression of our country. You cannot sit there and be a believer and nothing come out of your mouth just because you want to be loved by all men. Go to Luke 6 and 26. And this is so good. And this ought to be liberating for us. You say, Pastor Gabe, you know, I thank y'all actually for them love offerings because, you know, I begin to wonder who, who, who would want to hire me after all this. <laughs> when I Google myself online, I, I see me in marches and all you got to do is Google me. Good God, it all comes up. Amen. So thank, thank you, church. But what am I trying to say? You can't want everybody to like you. Right. And for the record, let me kill that in the atmosphere. How many you know I'll never beg for any bread? Amen. I'll, I'll always have more than enough. Amen. Praise the Lord. But look at uh, Luke 6 and 26. A woe to them when how many men? All, all men do what? Speak well of you. That means when you are liked by all men, it says woe. Everybody agrees with you. Everybody says that what you says is accurate. Woe to, to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the what kind of prophets? False prophet. He, he, Jesus, uh, compares the man that everybody speaks well of to the false prophet. The guy that everybody speaks well of is comparable to a false prophet. One of our world-renowned bishops was on Time magazine as America's favorite preacher. In my humblest opinion, that is an insult. Amen. I'm not trying to be America's favorite preacher. I don't know where my ministry will take me. I've been in myriads of places in my time. I've been to Capitol Hill. I've been all over the place. Man, God's been good to me. But I am in no ways trying to become America's favorite preacher. Are you in here, church? And you cannot have it as your mission to become America's favorite Christian. The Bible says you are the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its savor, listen to what it says. It is good for nothing. And do you literally mean that that good for nothing means you're not even good enough to melt ice? You are not even good salt for that. Not only do we not want you for our taste buds, you are good for nothing. And I want to push my little church. I want to push those of you who are watching me to take a different posture on God's truth. And for once in your life, regardless to how people think about you, feel about you, whatever that may be, don't be harsh. Amen. Don't talk strong. Just simply disagree. Amen. That's it. You didn't do anything. You are not afraid. You are not homophobic. You are theophobic. You fear God. Amen. And as a result, you disagree. Now, let me go into the truth about homosexuality that is so clear and so important to discover. Now, according to scripture and God's natural law, homosexuality is wrong. We see that. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, but now will you go to Romans chapter 1? Amen. I'm going to give you some statistics, but I want the word of God. How many of you know we don't even govern what we do off of data? We govern what we do off of what? 
the word of God. Go over to Romans chapter one. And this is so good. Now, if you're wondering why I talk so fast, because I'm speaking fast to get a lot of this in, because this is my position paper on homosexuality. People come to this church. What's your posture? What's your viewpoints? I won't have to re-preach it. Go to the bookstore and you'll find what our position is on the subject. Romans chapter one, the Bible says in verse number 26, I like uh, how Amplified says it to begin with. It says, for this reason, God gave them over. Amen. New King James or King James says, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, vile affections, evil affections. For even their woman did change their natural use, the natural use into that which is what church against nature. What makes homosexuality not only wrong in terms of its spiritual underpinnings, it defies the laws of nature. Are you in here? Y'all, I'm going to let you on to something. Outside of the concept of relativism, do you know that you can literally come almost for a second outside of the word of God and still demonstrate that it is wrong? Because by natural default settings, what a man was created with and what a woman was created with appropriately fit together in the right setting. Those are the laws of nature. But a man on a man, and watch me stay in my love walk, is simply diabolical to say the least. It's evil. It's wicked. It defies nature. Y'all, it doesn't go along at all with the categorization that God placed you in or your natural body. And then he said in verse number 27, and likewise, also the men leaving the what? Natural use, in other words, you leave your sweet wife, you leave the natural use of a woman and burn in their lust one towards another, which, by the way, I just told you earlier that you take authority over lust. Amen. So if you have a lust thing or you're looking at somebody else and you're attracted to them, be it woman or or man, you have authority over that. What the Bible says, they burn in their lust for one another, men with men. Committing what is shameful. So let me ask you a question. Is it in the Bible that homosexuality is wrong? Yes, it is. Is there anybody that can come up to you tomorrow and say, ah, but what about Leviticus was Old Testament? But what about da, 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 da? I have given you nothing but New Testament scriptures to press my point today. I'm being an apologist. I could give you Old Testament because all scripture is good according to the word of God. Amen. Good for reproof. Amen. And good for doctrine and all those kinds of things. But just by using the New Testament, we just found out that when men come together, they commit that which is shameful. And what happens as a result? Receiving in themselves the what? penalty of their error which was dues. Keep that scripture on the screen please and let's talk briefly about what then are the penalties of homosexuality. So now this is where it gets good 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 because I didn't give you statistics to prove my point because I don't care what the statistics say. The statistics one day may say homosexuality is okay. Amen. But at the core God's truth says that it is a shameful act. Now let's give you data to back up what I just shared with you in God's truth. Is that all right there? Or what is the truth then about homosexuality? According to CDC statistics, 
more than half of the new, everybody say more than half. I didn't say two plus more. I, I said more than half. Everybody say that means double of the new HIV occurrences happen. And they now call it MSN, which is men having sex with men. But we call it homosexuality. All right. Of the occurrences happen to homosexuals. All right. More than half of the new HIV occurrences happen to homosexuals. If it were a clean, godly lifestyle, there is no way in the world that it would be the breeding ground for the AIDS epidemic. It cannot be. It cannot. It it, it just cannot. And they try to make the the case of that's because most men in that lifestyle don't use condoms or they also and kids are in this room, but they have anal sex and those kinds of things. And that creates certain preparations and bleedings. Aha. Well, you you left the natural use of a man. You was never supposed to. There's a bingo right there. You was never supposed to. Are you in here? And I'm being so cautious because I got children. I think about my kids when I preach like this. But, you know, you aren't supposed to get certain abrasions, need need certain surgeries because your rectum passage has been so perforated. And if you go on to read about the lifestyle, some have gotten so wicked to where now they practice something called fisting. It ought to give you chills. Fisting. Fisting. Are you in here, church? So homosexuality cannot be, Joe, an accurate lifestyle by default, by the statistics alone. I want to continue on. There's something that was legalized back in the 70s known as gay bathhouses. Gay bathhouses. It was literally legalized. And I would put a picture up there, but I won't. Gay bathhouses, and this was in California, what they called the Consenting Adult Sex Bill. Consenting Adult Sex Bill, it passed in January of 1976, and it made gay bathhouses and the sex that took place within them legal for the first time. Legal. They made it legal. Look it up on Wikipedia when you have time. They made it legal. Now watch how confusing this lifestyle is. Later on... In 1984, for a fear of AIDS caused the San Francisco Health Department, listen to this, y'all, with the support of some gay activists, issued a court order that, if you will, or, or, or with the, with, excuse me, against the opposition of other gay activists to ask the courts to close gay bathhouses in the city. Let me interpret that. That means that even gay people realize this was wicked. This is bad for us. This is not good. Can you close these bathhouses? All right. And they begin to oppose themselves. Now, that's confusion. They begin to oppose themselves. Well, Melvin, it goes on to say that the court under Judge Roy Wonder, instead of issued a court order instead excuse me issued a court order that limited sexual practices listen to this and disallowed renting of private rooms in bathhouses so the sexual activity could be monitored we're just gonna cut it back some you can't rent private 
so it can be monitored. They say in these bathhouses, these men come together in groves. Amen. And they connect with one another and, and defecate and do all kinds of things that are, as we just read in scripture, vile. Vile. Amen. Do you realize what, what occurs, and this is so good, when, when the anal passage church is used differently from the one thing it was supposed to be used for? Y'all, that is wow. But they come together and they participate and touch and do and share and get their fill of homosexual encounters through legalized bathhouses. Which means that just because something is a law does mean that it changes the law for believers. Are you in here, church? Are you still with me? And, and you say, Pastor Gabe, why do you have to get so specific? Y'all, it is the window dressing that gets people tapped into this to begin with. It is the window dressing that makes a person think that it's okay to have your choices. My teenager's in the room. It's the window dressing that makes you think that this new fad that is amongst our youth today is something that is just okay to try out. Because after all, everybody's trying out, but they don't tell you about the penalties. Did I just read it to you in scripture? The penalties that come with the lifestyle. They don't tell you that after you get up from that encounter, there's something that's been sown into your flesh that you have to now contend with in many cases for the rest of your life because you went outside of the natural use of a man. There's a natural use. Are you in here, church? Somebody say, don't bite the hook. Now, Pastor Gabe, why is that so important? What, 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 what are you saying, church? Listen to this. A recent study of evangelical millennials stated that 51% of them, 51% of them, my millennials are those who are in my Tony's age. And many of you see on the praise team here, that would be my millennial age. Amen. Me and First Lady, we are Generation X, if I'm not mistaken. Some of you are baby boomers, and now behind them are Generation Z, I think they call them. But my millennials, my millennials are, are, are those who are right there in that 20-something on up, close to 30. Uh, the, the, according to the recent statistic that came out, 51% of millennials say they accept homosexuality. And listen to how I'm going to phrase this. Not just millennials, evangelical millennials. Church millennials. We are not talking about the world who is supposed to accept stuff. I'm talking about church millennials. Church millennials. To all my people who want to elevate, church millennials. Church millennials. 51%. And I'm still waiting for the message to come out of that camp called the truth about homosexuality. Well, it ain't going to come out of that camp because they have to stay relative. I have to embrace everybody's opinion. Of course, I, I want to grow a big church, so I must adapt certain policies that I won't preach in certain directions. Y'all ain't saying amen. But 51%, 51% say that they see homosexuality as something they accept. And how many of you know anything that you make normal, you cannot combat? 
and you cannot change. Before any of us ever got in sin, guess what we had to do first? Make it normal. Before you ever drunk, somebody tried to normalize drinking. They had to desensitize drinking in you first. I had a family member try that with me when I was a little boy. It did not work. They had to desensitize you to alcoholism and it groomed in you. This is what makes what the Charlotte Mecklenburg school system is doing so evil and so wicked to try to put transgender and LGBT information in our kids without you even having a vote or a say or any insight what they are doing. And psychology is called cognitive desensitization. Cognitive desensitization. I gradually expose you to something so that as you grow up, you don't grow up like your mom and dad grew up. You grew up knowing that it's just relative. It's up to you. Make your choice. We all grew up in our, most of us at least, when it was clear that mm -mm, you just don't do that. So that's why even today, sinners who are in Generation X, baby boomers, World War II folk, all of those folk who are in that domain, in many cases, not all, but many who don't know Jesus, when you get to this subject, they ain't studying Jesus. But when you get to this subject, their posture is what it's been since they were a child. Right, that's right. My wife was getting her eyebrows arched on yesterday. It was so powerful, man. God always gives me content for my messages. And I was uh, going in there, and I noticed a young lady who was uh, behind the counter. Uh, she you know, she kind of caught a hold of me, and she smiled and said, hello. I said, hello, how you doing? And uh, so my wife went up there on the kiosk to register. And as my wife went to the chair, that same young lady was helping my wife. And she said, well, can I, can I help you next? And uh, I looked up. <laughs> this Z you see in my eyebrow, that's a natural Z. Amen. It, it, yeah, arch. I call it a Z. Amen. No, I'm a man. It's a Z. Amen. It ain't an arch. Amen. This Z you see in my eyebrow, V, whatever you want to call it. That's what it is. Amen. She said, can I help you? There was another brother sitting next to me about the size of Dave, 250 pounds, and he's sitting on the counter. And I tried to be polite. I said, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. He said, man, she tripping. She is tripping, brother. I said, bro, I know that's right. I said, girl, you tripping. I wish I would arch my eyebrow. What am I saying? Association. My God, you're a strong man. Glory to God. She is tripping. Amen, amen, amen. We boys. Every man in this church shout, we boys. They tripping. You mean I'm going to wear a man bag? I got a wallet. Somebody say, we boys. Come on, what you mean I'm putting on those greasy cufflings that look like something my wife would wear? Some man shout, we boys. We boys. She tripping. Got a perm in your hair like your mother. You tripping. None of your pants have pleats. You tripping. Amen. I said amen. Amen. My wife and I have done spa packages together, but there's a point in the spa where I run out and she keeps going on. Amen. All right, baby. 
That was a good massage. I'll see you when you get done. Enjoy your manicure. Amen. Every man in here right now, take your finger and bite a nail, for God's sake. You enjoy your manicure. I will, I'm going to the doggone it weight room. I will see you later. Amen. She tripping. I said she tripping. Now, I did my love talk in the beginning of the message. If you're going to be offended by now, you're just offended anyway. The devil is tripping. If he thinks I'm going to let him turn my kids out, he's tripping. If he thinks I'm going to let him take over my city, he's tripping. If he thinks I'm going to let him do what he wants to do without resistance, somebody shout, devil, you tripping. Glory to God. Give God great praise in this church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I say give God great praise. The God that made you a man or a woman, give him great praise all over this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Get some testosterone back up in here. Stop tripping. Hallelujah. So doggone it, relative and offended and this and that. Will a boy be a boy? Amen. Hallelujah. Back to my point. And notice how as matter as all the announcements I made in the beginning about being calm and all. Did you notice as I progressed in this message, I had no choice? You notice how it's inherent? Well, that ought to be your reaction. You're not standing down. Let me compare it to something. You remember the last time somebody referred to you racially wrong? For a moment, you paused and said, that didn't feel right. Amen. I sent my church one time to one of these act, act good groups to promote the gospel. Got in there and those folk just disacknowledged my people. I sent a message down there because I couldn't go that day. I said, go out there to every black person you see and say, all rise. <laughs> and I love my white members, too. But all rise. Let's go. Amen. I'm as much of a man as you are. You see me, acknowledge me as a man, and I will do the same. Well, when you had that reaction where you finally said, uh-uh, no, 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 I'm not, uh-uh. No, I'm not going to put up with this. I've gone places people mistreat me or my wife because of the color of our skin or something like that. No, uh-uh, no, they can't have my money. Are you crazy? No. Uh-uh, you tripping. And that goes for all of us. Goes for all of us. I don't care what color you are. Amen. I'm not pro-black. I'm pro-Jesus. But that goes for all of us. Amen. All right. But you gotta have. You ought, you ought to have church. Everybody say he's preaching to the church. You ought to have the same reaction on subjects and issues that inherently defy the laws of God. You talk about perversion, it's not just homosexuality. My wife and I went not long ago to make a purchase at a certain place, and it was a commission-based place, and we were going to make a pretty hefty purchase that day. And I won't say any names, but I went in that place to make that purchase, and the young lady that came out and said, can I help you? I'm telling you, clangy dress, man, you, you know, everything hanging out, you name it. My wife didn't have to say anything. I said, no, ma'am, you, you can't help me. I'm going to work with this brother over here. Because if you didn't know you needed to put some clothes on this morning. Yeah. Amen. What make you think my wife want me to look at another woman's breasts for a whole hour just because you got a self-esteem issue? Oh, y'all don't like me now. Woo, you don't like me now. What, what, what got into you this morning? 
You didn't have anything else that fit in your closet? Here it is again, man, she tripping. Come on over here to this dude. I'm working with this man, right? You look like you're ready for a commission. Come here. Sure did. No, you can't help me. That's the devil. And why did you do that, Pastor Gabe? You better start embarrassing the enemy. Yeah, brothers, if you're going to walk in fidelity, you better, you better learn the power of rude. He's just rude. Yeah, you're right. Get up there. Come on. He's just rude. Come on, walk with me. Come on. He's rude. Come on. He's rude. Amen. He's rude. Rude with his wife. Amen. Just rude. Boy, he rude. Won't even speak to nobody. You're right. He rude. Amen. You don't got the time of day for me. That's true. Because I'm rude. Amen. No, I'm not rude. Thank you, sweetie. I'm not rude. Your desires are inordinate. How come you want a married man to be giggling in your face all the time? What's going on with you? It don't have anything to do with him. What's up with you that you need his attention that much? What's going on? Amen. Hallelujah. The body's not for Vicky immorality. And the reason why I can preach this and I say it with confidence and vigor, my God, the reason why I can stand flat-footed is because you don't know of any boyfriend that I have. Glory to God. You don't know of any girlfriend that I have except Stephanie Rogers. And devil, look out, I'm coming. I'm getting ready to tear down the kingdom of hell. Somebody give God great praise because Jesus is back in town. Hallelujah. Jesus. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. We ought to have authority. What you got to hide. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he is a. I'm glad I never was a homosexual, but if you was one, come on out of the closet with Jesus. And then when you get out of the closet, come on, begin to tell somebody about this man that you came to know. Begin to tell somebody about somebody who can clean anybody up from the inside out. Got you back on track. Now you love a woman. Glory to God. My, my, my. Come on, take your seat. I only got 25 minutes. Today, we're talking about homosexuality. That's what we're talking about today. If you leave this church because you heard a message on homosexuality, my God, the judgment of God. Woo, Jesus. You leave the, because see, this is an anointed message today. You leave this ministry talking about they do too much of this or too much of that, I'm scared for you. But I'm talking about some people who, like Moses said, whoever's on the Lord's side, come to me. If you are on the Lord's side, would you stand up and let all of America know that there's still some people left? There are still 7,000 that have not bowed to Baal. There are still some people left that love God's truth more than they love money. I don't love people more than I love God's truth. Today, we're talking about the homosexual. That's what we're talking about today. Come on and take your seat. Hallelujah. What is the truth about homosexuality? It leaves people devastated. Come on, it leaves people hurting. Let's talk about that, and you Google this on your free time. It's an article. It's in the Federalist, if I'm not mistaken. But it's an article called 
what two former trans men want you to know about all the lies. What two former trans men want you to know about all the lies. What are we talking about today? The truth about homosexuality. Listen to what one of the men said, Brother Melvin. Young men, breaks my heart. And here's the compassion, church. I wish I had been challenged by a doctor. He says, I went to an endocrinologist who gave me a prescription on the first visit before my blood work results even came back. The doctor said, it will be fine. Congratulations was his attitude. The doctor, he says, quote, should have challenged me. Listen to what the other young man says. On the day of surgery, this is when he goes in to get his genitalia removed. Listen to what he says. On the day of surgery, I was surprised at how it was suddenly unfolding into something larger than I expected. How many of you know sin will keep you longer than you want to stay and take you further then you want to go. He said, he said, I was surprised. And listen to what he says. Oh, this broke my heart. I tried to stop them, that being the surgeons, but I was then anesthetized. After surgery, I went into shock at how thoroughly I had been altered in both appearance and function. I also now found myself in a constant low level of groin pain. A year later, the bleeding began. I was told to wait it out, see a specialist, and not get a lawyer. Listen to what the folk who wrote the article says. The pain of a man trying to detransition. These guys talk about how they're left with devastation. You read it on your free time. How they're left with pain, left as eunuchs, left hurting physically and emotionally, left broken. And this is where my heart goes out to people. Listen to this. In an era where transgender rights are at the forefront of social politics, media does its part, listen to this church, to selectively inform people about the realities of transition. Selective information. I'm not going to tell you everything about what you should expect. Selective information. That's the same as when a young lady goes in to get an abortion. Selective information. Someone convinced her that you'll be free now. You can go on to college. You can do those kinds of things. But see, you can't preach this like me because I am a therapist and I have had plenty of these patients. They don't tell those young ladies about how they'll continue to hear baby cries in the night hour. And the trauma, and you're in here and you may have had an abortion, God forgives you, amen. And you don't have to go through that. Praise be unto the Lord. But listen, they don't tell people of the trauma. The recovery that comes with that. Praise the Lord. And so it is with transgender rights as someone now says, I, I, I was born a woman, but my gender is male. No such thing. Your gender is congruent with your makeup. Your physical makeup is congruent with your Gender. Forget all the stuff about chromosomes and brain formation. Y'all, let me tell you something. Having been a researcher and I love my credibility on this. I used to teach research statistics and this is so good. Social and psychology research statistics. Let me help you understand something about research. You can bend data to go in any direction you want it to go into. If you have a position, you can do a study. You can do a study over a certain population to make your posture and position accurate. 
And what's hilarious about that is when it comes to homosexuality, y'all, it's no way around 50, the, the, the percentage of HIV being double. Now, how I many you know you can't bend that data? That's one of them data pools that you just have to stand back and say, that is what it is. We can't make that fit. We can't say it's because of this, because of that. I tell you what they did try to do. They did try to come back and say it's because of the stigma people put on the lifestyle. There's nothing to do with what people are doing. Because people shame the lifestyle. The domestic violent rates amongst those in LGBT lifestyles significantly higher significantly higher and the bottom line is is because there is an inherent frustration that goes with going against nature you're going to be frustrated and i'm not making light or fun of this today but you are going to be frustrated when you reach over and touch somebody whose facial hairs are just as bushy as yours they just don't go together when i hold stephanie's hand something automatically happens it's called difference there's a difference did you hear what I just said a difference God meant it that way are you in here church but these men who went through such brutal pain hardship and we got to be compassionate back to the point hearts of compassion but spines of steel no you still take the posture of they're tripping but then you understand the pain that comes with that lifestyle and you try your best to watch this engage people in conversation about something that might help them or their son or their daughter. All right, let's get into our points. Are you still with me, church? Am I doing okay today? What are the solutions then to homosexuality in this time? Number one, a realization that homosexuals can be saved. And that is saved like the Bible says. Homosexuals can be saved and no longer be homosexuals. Don't have time to take you to all these passages. You Google them, look them up, use your Bible promise book. But Paul said it to the church at Corinth. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a Teresa, which means new creation. Homosexuals can change. And that's the way you ought to look at one. There's some in this church today, I promise you. Yeah, you can't gather this many people together and not have all types. So watch my love. You can change. You can change. When Paul said to the church of Corinth, such were some of you, we all have something we used to be. I will not make up a, a testimony just to inspire people. How many of you know I don't have to used to have been a homosexual to help you come out of it? I ain't never been on drugs, but I, I have helped a whole lot of people kick the drug and alcohol habit in their lifetime. Never been on drugs or alcohol once, but have helped people kick it. In fact, the person you should listen to more than the person who came out of it is the person who never got into it. Are you in here? Somebody say you can change. I don't care what it is. I don't care how how unregenerate you are. I don't care how the struggle is. A person can change. And that's the good news. There is hope. Number two, what are the solutions to homosexuality in this approach? Uh, or in this in this time number two a sober approach to the subject a sober approach to the subject a sober approach and I put in quotations don't get so emotional the Bible says be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil goes about seeking whom he may devour now you have to have a sober approach go back to something I said earlier today if your cousin who is a male has since decided he's a homosexual watch this 
he ain't decided nothing, but you can tell by looking at him and talking to him that he is one. Because you have a sober approach, you are not going to send your son to the grocery store with him. Amen. I don't care if you need a date night. If your sister shaved off the sides of her hair. I don't care how people receive this, y'all. Shave all her, I mean, just straight up mohawk. There, there's nothing dainty and ladylike. In fact, the Bible says a woman's hair, literally the length of it is, is a man and her glory. Yeah. Amen. So she start going butch and, and all this kind of stuff. You know, how many you know she cannot watch your kids? Yeah. Right. I, I don't care if you need a date night. <clears throat> she cannot watch your kids. You have to have a sober approach to it. Back to evangelism. If you are that person that's considering shaving your hair or you're considering Brother Pearson, you know, your whole earlobe, you got to pause long enough and have a sober approach and say, what's going on with me? And got nothing to do with anybody else. What's going on with me? Back in the days of the male chorus, some of y'all came up in churches that had male choruses. Well, I came up in a Baptist church as a little boy, had a male chorus, and me and all my brothers played instruments. I played organ, piano. My older brother played the drums. Gary played the drums. And there was this man uh, who would always offer my mom and say, you know what, Lily, you don't got to drive back cross town to pick these boys up. You know, I'm going in the same direction. Speaking of my brother, won't you let me, because he played for the male chorus, won't you let me bring Gary home? I know you got other things you got to do throughout the day. She said, with all due respect, no thank you. I'm good. What time do y'all finish rehearsal? I'll be back to get him myself. Sober approach. I'm not putting my son in the car with a man. And y'all, in that time to have beads going down your earlobe. We talking the 80s. You know you were straight up buoyant about who you were. He would deny it. He would never be honest about it. All those kinds of things. But just because people say they're not something does not mean that they're not it. Let me give you another research term. It's called self-report. Self-report can be so inaccurate. You can give people an anonymous survey, but if they don't want to give you an honest answer, their self-report data is inaccurate. And that happens all the time. It's just like polling people and saying, how many people in here ever did something of a negative nature? Everybody's not going to answer that yes. Not trying to be harsh. How many people ever had an abortion? Everybody's not going to answer yes to that question. I've asked people at the altar in times past. God spoke to me clearly. Have you ever had da-da-da-da? No, no, never did that. Okay, well, we automatically know that that self-report is not accurate. How do you know, Pastor Gabe? Now we get in the spirit. The word of knowledge was clear. No, something happened. You're not being honest. You cheated on your wife? No, no, I did nothing. Did none of that. That's self-report. Self-report don't mean nothing. So you don't take somebody's word and just assume, despite all the evidence that demonstrates to you that they are one way, that they're not that way. You know, we, we called out a, a group of fellas on this whole subject of homosexual at a, a, a visiting church one time. And uh, somebody complimented me on my discernment. And I said, with all due respect, you didn't need discernment for that. No, you can see that. She talking about kind of discernment. God just used you. No, no, God used you. You didn't see that? 
Pastor Gabe just too honest, I know. I just, pray for me. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, Enter into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go thereby, go thereat. Those are the masses. But verse number 14, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way. Matthew 7 and 14, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Narrow-mindedness on subjects that God clearly identified in Scripture. My mind is narrow when it comes down to seed time and harvest. You could never change that in me, because it's in the Bible. So I'm not going to stop sowing, because God's truth says it. Well, my mind is narrow on a man being with his wife. I'm narrow-minded about that. I have a zero tolerance policy. Narrow mind. I'm very narrow minded about that. Amen. You can call it too rigorous. You can call it too that. Well, that's what the culture calls it. And if you go along with the culture, you're going to mess your own house up. And the culture calls it that because they want to live off the hook, because they want to be out on the ledge, because they want to have a good time. But there are penalties that come with not being narrow minded. Don't be narrow minded about faith. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you ever ask or think. But when it comes down to moral issues, narrow-minded. Everybody say, I'm going to be sober. What is the third solution to homosexuality in this time? This is the most powerful point of the day, I think. Maybe the next one is more. But a realization that you were not born that way. Come on, real fast. Psalm 139, verse 13. Come on. A realization that you were not born that way. Listen to this, church, and this will liberate you on that subject for the rest of your life. Yes, the Bible is correct when it says I was born in the sin, shaped in iniquity by default in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. My flesh is loaded with propensities uh, to do things that it should not do. In the world of psychology, they call it predispositions. So you can be predisposed to be, quote unquote, an alcoholic or predisposed to be, to be something uh, else uh, because of certain DNA in genes. You know, some people have had diabetes in their family. We prayed for a young lady and her baby last Sunday, both of whom had sickle cell predispositions that were already in their bloodline. So understand that sin is just a part of the general makeup. The corruption of the body is a part of the makeup. But the soul nature of homosexuality in no ways, in no ways were you formed to validate that lifestyle. Listen to what the word of God says, because you weren't born that way. For you were formed in my, you formed my inward parts. What did God do? He formed them. You covered me, that means with skin. In my mother's womb. Go to verse 14, please. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very gender identity and expression very well. My soul knows my gender very well. My soul knows what I'm supposed to be. Yeah, it does. I'm telling you, I'll never breach anybody's confidentiality. Anybody I've ever seen in counseling, y'all, a thousand times out of a thousand, leans up on their couch and says, Dr. Gabe, I realize that I'm supposed to be a woman. I, I, I recognize that this is not right. I'm just going to be honest with you. 
thousand times out of a thousand. I realize this is, my soul knows well. Furthermore, if I was wonderfully and fearfully made, God is a meticulous creator. So it would be left-handed, backwards of God, I mean no harm by left-handed, but backwards of God to give you certain body parts and framework and then validate you to use those body parts and frameworks in a way that doesn't make sense because you were wonderfully and fearfully made. So for a woman and a woman to come together does not make natural sense. You were wonderfully and fearfully made. God must have intended for you to fight the fight of faith and overcome whatever urges of the flesh that are trying to drag you in a different direction. A different direction other than what God says. Y'all, do you know on any given day, any one of us in here can commit sins of the body? If you want to get into an affair, you can get in one today. Might be able to get in one before you leave church. It's there for the asking with some people. But you bring your body subject. And even if you had urges pre-salvation, then you got saved. What's the first way we transition? You have to get saved. You get saved, then you do your soul salvation, and you command your body, ah, 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 never again. You won't go back into that. You won't be a part of that anymore. Amen. Because you were not born that way. Stop letting a bunch of geneticists and scientists and all these kind of people come tell you stuff that don't make sense. If I stand up here and tell you that um, uh, this Bible is brown, are you going to adapt a relative form of thinking and saying, well, maybe it is? I don't care how much you honor and respect me. At a certain point, and you would have every right to, you're going to have to say, now, nah, Pastor missed it on that. That is a black Bible. It's black, Pastor. No, pastor, I love you, but that Bible, that Bible right there, now you may, and, and see, because you love me, you may try to validate me. I'm sure you got a brown Bible in your office, but that Bible, that's black. You cannot apply an appropriate relativism based off opinion to what gender you are. You were wonderfully and fearfully made. That's why, ladies, I don't have time to exhaust this. Make yourself as dainty as you can be. Amen. Take yourself into that fashion of being a woman. Amen. Look like one. Smell like one. I'm not against the natural hair movement, but my God, you better be mindful of what natural hair you adapt. You better be mindful. No, no, no. Go ahead and make people mad. Soften up your hair. Amen. Soften it up. Yeah. Soften up your hair. Mm -hmm. There are ways to do that. Do it soft. Brothers, amen. Amen. Go down and get a haircut. Be a man. And then watch this. Someday skip your haircut because you're a man. I didn't get one this week. It's crawling up my face. Praise the Lord. I'm a boy. I don't need a haircut every week. Cut it off my neck and let's go. Come on, you're a man. That's what I teach my son. Don't be that pretty. That's the metrosexual movement. Maybe next week I'll talk about the metrosexual. I don't know. I don't got time for it. I'm going on to something else next week. But that's the metrosexual movement. Man, that, that's the whole advent of colognes and perfumes that could be worn by both sexes. 
My wife and I go to buy our perfume and cologne. The lady said, hey, well, actually, you both can get that one. I said, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance with me and Stephanie be smelling alike on Sunday. <laughs> Amen. When you pass Stephanie, you go, oh. When you pass Kate, you... <laughs> says, hard. <laughs> Amen. You just pass the boy. The difference. Amen. If you got to wear Old Spice, go back to Old Spice. Do what you got to do. But when you come out that house on Sunday morning, you better doggone and smell like a man. Amen, amen, amen. Smell like a man. Hallelujah. Realization you were not born that way. Last but not least, what is the solution to homosexuality in our time? A constant resolve to acknowledge the word as final authority. Now that's the best one, Dave. A constant resolve. You know what resolve is? You resolve to work out every day when you don't feel like it. You resolve to go to work tomorrow morning. Some of you won't feel like it. Well, you got to do the same thing when it comes down to the flesh. And you can do that with discipleship, good counseling programs, on and on and on. They help you. That's what they're there for. But in your mind, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. A constant resolve to acknowledge what as final authority? The word. How do you know certain things are right or wrong? No, go ahead, please. How do you know? The word. It's an easy answer. How do you know? How do you know that there are certain things that you should not do that you should do? The word. The word. This is not like, y'all, even though we made it a big discussion today, did you know this is one of the easiest ones to solve? Natural law fights it, but then the word clearly denounces it. You've got to constantly resolve that the word is final authority. Now let's go to our last scripture of the day. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. The word is final authority. Amen. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not seek to be brought under the power of any. Verse 13, please. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body, though, is not for sexual immorality. All right. Sex outside of marriage. Any sex outside of marriage is sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Verse 14, please. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. 15, please. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So then shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Somebody say, certainly not. Go to verse 18 for the sake of time. Flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For what were you bought with? A price. So as a result, what should you do? Glorify God. Where? Where? Where are you supposed to glorify him? So Romans 1, if you change the natural use of a man, are you glorifying God in your body? Can't be. Can't be. And y'all, I'm closing this little message out. But I know we've moved Dave Shantae to such a time of relativism. 
where you can pick. Guys, you're coming up your generation. You're going to come up in an hour. I'm so proud of you, seeing you with those iPads and pens. You're going to come up in an hour in which everything's up for grabs. You know? I'm still young enough. Everybody in this church is still young enough. And that you are going to live the next 20, 30 years in a time to where everything is going to be up for grabs. And you're going to have to make a conscious decision that I see the word of God as absolute final authority on every issue. You ready for this? Jesus heals how many diseases? All. So why do you believe that he heals all diseases? Because the word. And the word is what? The word is what? If you sow bountifully, you're going to what? Reap bountifully. So why do you believe you're going to reap bountifully? Because the word says it and because you did what? Sow bountifully. Well, if you sow bountifully and the word says it, you have every right to expect to reap bountifully. Well, why do you know, dear, how do we know, you know, my wife and I, this is perfect time and celebrated our anniversary on yesterday. And I just, I love my beautiful, sweet wife. I really, really do. And you just talk about the normal nature laws, natural laws that God put in place for a man and woman's interaction. You know, it, it was so rich on yesterday to, to just be in her presence as a female and be around her softness and, and what that does for her and just certain things or does for me certain things we just do by default like if we go in a restaurant she automatically takes the seat with her back to the door because there's a difference I'm going to always be the watchful there's a, there's a manliness that goes with that. And I, 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 I feel so blessed sometimes when she, she come and, 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 and just build me up and say, you know, I, I like this or like that. Well, there is a difference between a man and a. And it's OK. Like, I, I do not. I do not. And I'm being so serious now. Hear me. I do not envy Ladies, I don't envy you at all. And that's not because I'm more than you as a man, because we're not. Amen. We were created equal. Praise the Lord. But I don't look at you and say, wow, I wish I could carry a bag like that. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Right. <laughs> I just, you know, Kristen, those nice ruffles in your skirt. Just give me a crease. I'm good. You know, I just, I feel not, not compelled at all. Nothing moves me. I don't, I don't, and this, y'all, this is tearing up the moves of the day. My preaching is done. But, I, you know, nothing in me, you know, needs, you know, half of my hair to be brown with highlights. I mean no harm. My wife gets them. It looked great on her. My barber doesn't have to ask me what kind of haircut we're going to get. That's right. Same thing, bro. You're getting the same thing for the past. Same thing. You only see me with two haircuts, either all even or a little taper. In the summertime, a little taper. Wintertime, all even. You think my hair going to look like next week? All even. All even. My sweet wife, she can determine what her hair is going to be. No, and it's pretty every time. 
You know, she can wear it up, down, straight. Looks beautiful straight. Amen. Her and my sweet mother-in-law were talking about that on the way to church. Looks good. Amen. That's beautiful. You know, she can get whatever other things out there. I felt awesome when I finally realized what a rap was. <laughs> I thought a rap was a rapper. And then I'm going to get a rap. Okay. Praise the Lord. Enjoy your rap. I go to the barbershop, give me a razor. I like the feeling of you might make a mistake. <laughs> Last time I was there, he cut me. He did. He cut me. Yeah, man. Had to put, that happened to you too? Yeah, I had to put some of that little stuff on it. And I didn't say nothing. I got out that chair. Bro, you all right with me? Come back next week. Cut me again. In a hill? You're a boy. That's what you are. You're a boy, you'll always be one. You won't be anything other than that. And don't you let this culture convince you of something different. You know, I'm, I'm being tactful. I didn't say half of the things I could have said. But ladies, it matters not how you try to suppress yourself. You're a woman. You're a lady, and you are wonderfully and fearfully made. Wonderfully. God loved you when he gave you what he gave. I don't have time. You come to the marriage retreat. You're going to be blessed by this. But you read the book of Proverbs and the Song of Solomon. Do you realize that the word of God begins to identify a woman's body parts and tells the young man getting married to enjoy those parts of his wife? I'm saying this because kids are in the room. But enjoy the blank of your wife. That's in scripture. And it breaks my heart when sweet ladies who battle breast cancer end up having to cut, cut their breasts off. But check this out. They did that because they had to. But we're in an hour where people choose to maim themselves. But here's the good news. It's an in scripture too. I'd rather enter into the kingdom of God maimed. Oh, Jesus. You hear what I just said? I don't care who you are today. God loves you. If you got to go in Maine, those young men we talked about earlier that deal with the growing pain and all that stuff now, chances are they if they get saved, they'll go in maimed. I don't know them. But whoever you are out there, if you're in this congregation today, if you're watching me, amen, the cure is Jesus. He's still the cure. And discipleship by people sent by him. That's why this church's model is what it is. If you take advantage of it, you can get that intense work. You just got to be transparent, open, and honest. And then you can get accountability. You can get people that you can call, that you can say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. Can you pray? Can you walk with me? To my youth, same thing. And I'm so proud of all of you who have done that before. Just been honest. No, we'll help you. And Pastor Gabe will not get up and use you as an example. I won't. There are certain issues that are so delicate that by default, I don't, I don't use inner church examples on them. Because you don't need that. You don't need another example to prove the point. Are you in here? I won't even do it confidentially. Because you don't need it. Not on this subject. On this subject, you come forth and you say, yeah, I'm really struggling. I used to be or I still am. 
And don't come telling me that uh, the blood of Jesus and the power of God no longer is what it used to be. Don't you know that this same power used to grow limbs back on people? If it can grow limbs back on people, you don't think it can deliver folk? You don't think it can take people out of something that they used to practice? The Bible says such were some were you. Such were some of us. If God can save me, he can save anybody. Never practice homosexuality. Praise the Lord. But practice some other stuff that the Lord delivered me from. Amen. He can save. He can deliver. And we can't come off the wall just because it's touching somebody you love. No, love them. My family already knows when it comes down to a certain subject, they don't even ask me. They know that's a no-go. Absolutely not. Can we do this? Uh, It don't come up anymore, y'all. And my family is, by most parts, conservative. But watch this. I got 12 aunts and uncles on one side, nine aunts and uncles on the other side. Don't you know somewhere in the mix of all them cousins, somebody struggling? Don't you know that? No, I'll tell you that somebody struggling. But I love them. But they can't keep Gabe. Not at all. No, no, their partner not coming over for Thanksgiving. You can come. Your partner can't come. Because by default, I got to desensitize my son to sit across the table and explain away your partner. Well, Dad, who was that that was with? No. Mm-mm. And that's the solid nature of being a Christian. And I was talking to one of my pastor friends earlier this week. I said, I'm going to always be two kinds of preachers. So you come meet me next week. You're going to enjoy these faith words and leadership and all that stuff. It's going to be great. But I said, I'm going to be a strong faith teacher. But then I'm going to be a strong morality teacher. Amen. And if I can stay in those two worlds well, I believe I'll hear the Lord say, well done. That's all I want to do. If somebody watched me today via television and I can keep you from making a devastating decision. That's all I want to do. Y'all, I didn't have time to get into all my content. If I had time, I'd tell you in this hour, if you're going to combat it, how many know you're not going to be able to send your kids away to any college? Matthew Vines, who I was talking about, he said it out of his own lips. He left his conservative area, his conservative home, went to a school up in the northeast where it was liberated. And that's where he got affirmed in who he was. Well, you're going to have to be conscientious now. You're not going to be able to just shovel your kids off. I don't recommend it. You know, if my kids, to be honest with you, depending on who they are, and how many know some can handle certain things that others cannot? handle so you can't parent them all the same I know by default Gabe is a leader I, you know I can see Gabe going to do some stuff maybe a little more distant Lauren could as well you know I don't know about all of them though just yet you know you're gonna have to make determinations as they grow older and yeah no nah, we're gonna put you in private school you too influential stuff get man you go to school one day your hair is yellow your next day is gray silver so we're just going to go ahead and put you somewhere around at least where you got the best chance. 
You're going to have to make those determinations now, church. And that means we can't be lazy. And then youth, you're going to have to adapt this new thing that's out today that no other youth want to use. It's, 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 it's this new thing. I hope you guys Google it when you get home. But it's a new thing out. And you guys are going to love it. It's a new thing out today called listen. <laughs> it's a new fad. See, I know in the church we got to put things under a fad. So it's a new fad called listen. You got to check that thing out. YouTube it. It's just called listen. You just going to listen. Amen. It's a new fad. What are we doing now? Listening? This is what's hilarious about what the school system is doing. They don't even realize it. But if it does pass, it's going to blow up in their face. You ready for this? Anytime you start telling teenagers and youth what they must accept, guess what they're going to do? They're going all the way south now. You talk about bullying. Bro, if you tell, oh my God. And it's been that way for years. You start telling some teenagers what they need to be accepted of. Y'all, I know I'm talking about, because I, I used to be one of them. <laughs> I was that kid. Me and my buddies. They started telling us what we going to do. They finally made me into a hall monitor. Just let that brother help out. He got his own mind. Amen. No sense trying to tell him. Because they know. Nobody's telling me what to do. <laughs> Mr. Rogers, yes. Yes. <laughs> charming. Yeah, these charming young people. They didn't, do, they didn't do what you tell them to do. You gotta tell them you gotta accept thus and so, and little Bobby is going in the girls' locker room now. <laughs> Seriously, y'all. And now is when we just get real honest about it. hate it for you. Because you talk about ostracizing. You're really setting them up now. You're shining the light now. You mean to tell me you the one, two, three, four guys in the whole school that we got to change everything for? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, don't, I watch this. I'm going to say something real controversial. You don't have to believe in Christianity. Did you know that? And I'm not going to force you to believe in it. That's anarchy. You can't put a gun in somebody's skull and tell them, say Jesus is Lord. That's anarchy. Well, that's what homosexuals want to do. Same thing. Change policies. Diversity no longer means diversity. How many here you've been through a diversity training at your job, which was simply LGBTQ 101? It had nothing to do with diversity. Will you please blow that smoke in somebody else's ear? Y'all just want us to adapt policies that are gay friendly. That's what this is about. <laughs> somebody say, not me. I was invited to teach on diversity for a company one day. I don't think they knew who I was. They didn't invite me as a pastor. They invited me as a PhD. Oh, that was good. I've done a lot of diversity trainings. But I was invited to do this diversity training. And uh, I put a list up of things that people may have differing opinions on. And boy, that hooked them with a left hook. We got to the end of that diversity training. And when I tell you, everybody said, 
And I said, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Who do I see to get paid? Give me my money. Amen. You don't want to hear what I got to say about it? Don't invite me. Diversity is celebrating difference. That's what diversity is. That's diversity on that row right there. All you three sweet young ladies, that's difference. That's all it is there. Difference. Different hair, different shades of skin. All three of you different shades. Amen. Different outfits. Ain't it funny? They are all on the choir wearing plum, but they got different kinds of plum. That's diversity. That's diversity. Diversity is when I have a right to believe what I want. I don't want the Muslim uh, synagogue and the mosque and all these people. I'm never going to go light a bomb at the mosque because I want that community to be Christian. I'm just going to go down there and try to win the brothers. But I'm not going to blow the mosque up. And guess what? If they don't decide to have Jesus, they live in a free country and they have the right to choose. That's diversity. The right to choose. But the difference with the homosexual movement, and I'm closing, is this. It's no longer about your choice. You are going to accept this. We are cramming this down your throat, like it or not, and you may as well smile and be glad about it. But nothing could be further from the truth. Well, today we talked about the homosexual. How'd you enjoy that? Amen. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Amen, amen, amen.